Hey, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. But interesting people also pop in to rent something, and that's what happened today. The comic Kelly Apta is in town, and it was just lovely to get this chance to catch up on everything she is such a hard worker, she's such a fantastic comic, and so it's great to just get into it and get into the weeds of how one goes about their career as a comic. And a quick announcement on that, if you are in Cape Town, December and January, every Sunday she is going to be performing. She's given herself a residency. She is going to be at the venue Boca in Seapoint, so be sure to get those tickets. It will be a lovely end to your to your week so that's all uh december and jan um then something strange happened which i thought it would be important to mention now we record these episodes in the cinema in the bioscope and for the most part we are very soundproof that is why we we uh can be a good cinema and that is why we record in the in the cinema itself but there was unfortunately during our recording a uh, a baby that was in the lobby of the cinema that was not having a good time and so we heard these cries coming from the lobby um, but they don't pick up nearly as as bad in the mics as we thought they were so when she is referring to a baby cry it was this baby that was in the lobby which shame I didn't want to disturb our talk I didn't want to go and say anything in the lobby but it was just a, a strange moment when we started hearing this this distant baby cry that we thought was only existing in our heads. So, without further ado, this is Gilly Apter popping in to rent something. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? How's it? Hi. <laughs> this is, you know, I shouldn't have done this in the morning. My voice is like even deeper than it usually is. But isn't that a good thing? Like a husky? No, I don't think so. You don't I think, think eventually it'll just go, it'll just become the sound of a generator. And it'll <laughs> just be a low hum and no words. And it'll just be like, uh, yeah. We are recording this during a moment of load shedding. I don't think the, the rumble will be picked up, but there's, there's a, a distant rumble of... Of generators. There is a distant rumble in our souls, <laughs> my friend. You have been around the world. I have. And that I is have. exciting. I have been to a lot of places in the world. We, we spoke about you coming and visiting, and then you left, and then you just never came back. That's true. I did not come back. <laughs> <laughs> where have where've been some of the highlights? Um, well, I have to tell you, for me, it's less of a highlight and more of um, just... I think I think traveling seems very exciting to people who really want to travel. But if travel really isn't something you enjoy very much, yeah, which is what I've discovered, yes, then <laughs> it's very unglamorous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That's not for me. Lack of glamour. Yeah, it's actually at odds with my character. You know, lack of like luxury and and comfort is not for me. What are we doing here, Veronica? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so I've been to a lot of places. I mean, listen, I've been very, very fortunate. I've traveled more in the last two years than I haven't ever in my life. Yeah. Um, but I think I've also traveled more in the last two years than anyone has because yeah. of pandemic times, you know? Yeah. So also, I think the kind of travel I've been doing has been very aggressive. And during a time where it's been very difficult to travel, like it's been yeah. chaos everywhere yeah, you yeah. go. Like in doesn't matter how first world the country is. It seems like the more first world the country is, the more chaos there seems to be in airports and all that stuff. So the travel itself has been arduous. Like it hasn't been yeah. easy, you know. But, but I've been to amazing places, sure. But recently, like especially this year, most of that stuff's been relatively relaxed. Wrong. Not? No. Oh. If you went to the, uh, the airport in Amsterdam today, you would see the longest queue of people you've ever seen in your life. You would be horrified. You would just start a new life in Amsterdam. Really? Yeah, because you wouldn't okay. leave. You wouldn't be able to leave. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, I was able to go to London in May. London sort of sorted things and out. And I was like, it was such a treat because it was yes. just before we um, we could have our masks off outside but yeah. still not inside. But just in general, just walking around London at night Isn't it great? with people. Oh, and, oh, just like, oh, vibrancy. Just like, like fertilizer for my, yes. for my soul. London <laughs> is an ex- exceptional city. That's where I've been for the last three months. Oh, really? Yeah. I've it's, lost it, track. I know it, there was a lot of the states. I, I, you know what? I started traveling in March. I went to London for a few weeks. Then I was in LA for two weeks. Then I was in New York for almost a month. Then I went okay. to Canada for two weeks. Then came back to South Africa. Then went to Australia for two weeks. Came back to South Africa. Went to Ireland Amazing. and Portugal. Then went back to London. But as a similar... Okay. So just before you left and you were doing a bunch of shows at the Bioscope, we connected. Yes. And I was starting to realize through talking to you how similar the life of a comedian could be to a musician yeah for and sure. the same hustles and the same you know you got to fill the room and doesn't matter whether you strum in a guitar no, or, gotta sell tickets, or telling bro. jokes it's the same <laughs> concept and um so a trip like this is this you like a like a troubadour like you are you are paying your way as you go through shows you know what in a way there have been there's a there's a specific tour that i'm on that i get paid to do called story party right and it's a show that i've started to host because the original host of the show and the guy who created the show doesn't want to tour that show anymore but he is so proficient at selling tickets to the show and marketing the show and the show itself is very good and has a specific theme that it didn't you know just because he didn't want to do it now he's doing his own shows with his own name didn't make any sense for him to let go of the show because there was me okay yeah i think you You mentioned him yeah so I am like uniquely positioned, having been a guest performer on the show for many years, to actually host the show myself. Okay. And that's so what I started doing this year. So what I've done is um, use those few tours. So, for example, the one I had in Canada for two weeks and the one I had in um, Australia for two weeks. I knew those were coming up and I used sort of the, the travel and mm. the being paid for those to kind of try to finance me, trying to find where else I can do comedy because mm. um, here in South Africa, our scene is very limited. Yeah, sure. You know, especially now, I think it was perhaps growing, got a ma- major setback, you know, during the pandemic and um, we'll grow again, no mm. doubt. But, you know, I'm, I'm in a hurry, you know, I'm, I'm 40. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be 50, you know, I can't wait to be 50 until we have a scene. So I have had to go and find scenes elsewhere. And that's but, why it was like kind of like, yeah. a, like a comedy fact finding mission that I went on. Yeah. And, but the, the music scene is also similar. You can only mm. play so many park acoustics. You can only play it. Precisely. Uh, whatever venues only so many times. And eventually you like, okay, let's, let's, I need a bigger economy for myself. So you Precisely. try and. Yeah, and those and those endeavors can be very expensive. I'll never forget our our yeah, our, um, <laughs> our our um, accountant for the band, like showing us the line item of overseas travel and going, "Why don't you guys just stay here? <laughs> just stay here, and you can put that in your back pocket." And I was like, "You don't understand. Like, one, I want to go to Europe, yes, and play shows, and it would be cool. But you also mustn't forget that." Upon showing our fans, which are majoritively in South Africa, that we are touring the world, we can come back and add an extra zero right. or charge right. more because we're now a touring band. Right. And so for someone like yourself, it's great that you can hopefully exist in other markets and in other places because you hear comedians often talk about like there's always that local guy and he never like that person never sort of leaves the city. Yes. Yes. Do what works, has the regular gig. But what ultimately you should be doing is appealing to as many people as possible. Well, you know what? There's so many things that are changing and, and that, that you are sort of, it's sort of, what's the term I want to use? Like incumbent upon you to take advantage of the things that are available to you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's just that, you know, this thing that you, you're talking about, like, touring and be you know having that be of value something that i've noticed not even like going overseas and then coming back and being of value because i don't know that there's a the, south africa I, I feel has a weird relationship to that mm. unless you go overseas and you shoot the lights out absolutely shoot the lights out when you come back i, I think people forget about you i don't actually think they embrace you and are like oh this is a now in an internationally touring act and uh, you know yeah, you get know. more opportunities my perception of you is like oh she's doing well 
Well, and well, I am doing well because I'm pushing myself, but no one's calling me. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not like being, I'm not sought after. Oh, I think you are. <laughs> but uh, you know, but that's I guess the everyone's different. But yeah. yeah, but it's perception. Everyone's, you know what I mean? Everyone's perception's different. Yes, yeah. and it, it's. I'll know that I'm sought after when I'm, you know, turning down jobs left and right. That's how yeah. you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, or, or you know, when I when I'm like financially stable, which I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. My my whole thing right now. My whole thing for this year, and the reason I've gone out into the world and been in New York and been in London and been in these places. Um, is because I have gotten tired of trying to wait to be called and, and be, um, uh, you, you know, try to catch a break of some kind. Those breaks are few and far between. And yeah. in fact, you've got no control over them. No, you don't. So my no. whole thing this year has been, how do I build? How do I build mm. something from the ground up? It's and Yeah, and, it's, and it's, it's meant that I have taken some massive risks. Mm. You know what I mean? I've put myself... This is the whole thing with travel, right? Everywhere I've been has been because I have gone, not because anyone's called me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like not because anybody has said, hey, I've got a great job for you. Yes, I've got this tour that I'm very lucky to have, um, but it's limited, you know what I mean? It can only yeah. fund me so much. Yeah. So I use that and I go, okay, that tour ends in London on the, on the it, yeah. 5th of August, right? Yeah. Cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay with my friend for August and September and I'm going to see... What I can do in London, you mm. know what I mean? How many clubs yeah. can I get into? How many people yeah. can I meet? What can I do? Right, hustle. Mm. When, I'm, when I'm in London, the person who I was touring with said to me, well, what do you want, Gillian? I was like, I'm actually looking for some level of stability, you know, mm. uh, um, especially financial stability. And he was like, well, look, you have been touring this tour like beautifully. You host the show beautifully. Why don't we do this in London now? Let's see if it works. Can't we do a, a weekly show? And yeah, see if we can grow it cities, in certain it, cities, it and not go really. yes, and not go all over the world necessarily for like weeks at a time. We create a base for you, and you run that thing in that base. And I'm like, yes, but great. Now we did that. We did a few shows. They sold really well. We're planning them for next year, but that is an opportunity that would not have happened if I didn't take a massive risk and put myself in London where I did not know how yeah. I was going to make the next month work. No, and I I felt that way in the pandemic when we were sitting around doing nothing. I was like. One, I've realized I'm an extrovert. <laughs> Incredible. Because <laughs> near you the end, know. surprise. In the end, I was like, I'm so tired of people. Maybe I'm a little more of a hermit. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I need to talk to people. That's great. And then the other thing was like, I realized that my whole livelihood, everything that I do, requires me to physically be in places. Right. You know, and, and the best example is I was here, I built this place at 44 Stanley. Loiso Gola walked in with a friend yeah. and was like, can you do comedy? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to. Yes, I, in and my you wanted head, to I was always like, anyway. I was ready for, you know, I was going to think about it at some point, step at a time. And he's like, can you do comedy? I'm like, yeah. He's like, but can I take it for like a week? I was like, yeah. Great. Thousands of rands for everyone later. And it's like, I would never have gone... Hey man, let's have a Zoom call. Yes, <laughs> I wouldn't even have thought of him necessarily. Yes. He might not have ever thought of me. Yeah, but we needed to kind of be there together to 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 make that that happen. But 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 that's the thing, right? You've created a physical space. Yeah, and then so, people so walk you, into it and they see it and then they put whatever they think they need onto it, mm. which which doesn't happen if the space doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, and if you're yeah. not here to receive that creative idea. So what is this show? The show is a dating-themed stand-up show. Oh, lovely. And, and, and also incorporates some storytelling. So um, the way I run the show, which I've been sort of free to dictate to a certain degree, um, because, because nobody really knows what the show is, so yeah. people love the what's theme. what's it called again? It's called Story Party. Story Party. And people love the theme, so they, they buy tickets to come to the show because the theme is so relevant because it's about dating. And um, I host the show. I come out. I do about... 45 minutes to almost an hour sometimes with the audience up front where I do a combination of talking to them and my own stand-up. Cool. And then there's a break and in the break, uh, the audience members write their dating stories on little cards, like their true dating stories, whatever mm. it is, right? And then during the break, I pick up all those stories. I read them backstage. I vet them, you know, and make sure that there's not like anything that's yeah, yeah. like, I don't know, like, you know, triggering in any way. <laughs> really, I'm looking for like... A good one. I'm, yeah, I'm just, just looking for stories that aren't boring. That's yeah, really yeah, what yeah. I'm vetting for. Yeah. So I find these stories and I um, 
Then I come back out on stage. I read, I read out the good ones. And then I invite people from the audience to come up onto stage and t certain people want to tell their stories. Yeah. So those people who want to tell their stories write their names for me at the bottom of the cards and then they come up and tell their stories on stage. And you sort of make a make a sort of We make a big fuss out of it. But it, sometimes they come up and they are great storytellers and I just let them go. Yeah. And it's just a few minutes at, at a time. And sometimes it's chaos and I have to rein it in. Yeah. And sometimes it's terribly boring and I have to like then go up and do five, five ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I'm like, cool. you know, it's funny because I, I stopped talking about dating in my own stand-up because I stopped dating. Like, I didn't really date. Yeah. But now I feel like, from my perspective as a 40-year-old, to the audience who are who tend to be younger than me, mm. I, I've got a lot, I, I take a different approach to it. I'm like, I'm now in a position where like, I can impart some knowledge yeah. and some perspective on yeah. what they're going through. And so, totally. um, I found that it's how, just the perfect space for me. It's amazing how those things can shift. Where all of a sudden, like, people who you always saw were older than you, are now younger. Oh my like a big mark, a big marker for me was hitting twenty seven and being like, Kurt Cobain was a child. <laughs> yeah. He was a fucking child. It's unbelievable, isn't like, it? Like in my head, when I was a little thirteen year old, I was like, he's married, he's got a kid. Like he seems so he's successful. Like he's a, such a grown yeah. up. And I was like, he was a child. And then yeah, I had so this true. had this great moment about like two or three years ago when I had to get like a dentist checkup, and this dentist walked in. And he was younger than me. Oh, no. And at the That's the thing. The people who do stuff. Like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And so when this like young kind of Stellenbosch graduate kind of like, oh, you so know, but fun. he's an adult. He's a full yes, adult. Yes. And I'm like, when, you know, where, where's the dentist? Yeah. Like, I'm the dentist. I'm like, oh, it's so crazy fuck, when, started. Yeah, when fully started. grown people are younger than you. You kind of accept it a little with athletes when yes. you get to and your later 20s. Like, yeah. like, 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 like pop stars you yeah. accept it with. But then yeah. at some point you're like, no, oh, no, dentists must be older than me. <laughs> yeah. It, it hit me with flight attendants. Okay. Because I used to travel a lot with my family when I was young. We used to like, you know, be on a plane once a year. Yeah. And I always loved the flight attendants because they were like older and glamorous and beautiful. Like, mm. you know, this was like the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, like, yeah back when that was a when a Back thing. when flight attendant was peak glamour, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I remember starting to be older than the flight attendants and thinking that was really weird. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> no, they, but my, my relationship with traveling, I, I totally get that. And especially when it comes to the band touring. Mm. We obviously show the world we're having fun because we are, for the most part, we're yeah. having fun. But I, it's tell a you. very different relationship. And so when the partner at home is like, I want to come too, you're like, I don't know whether you want to come. Yes. It's actually not that fun. <laughs> what won't be fun <laughs> what for you? It won't be fun for you. That's yeah. the difference. The difference with you is you have a band. Yeah. It's and not fun for me other. because I'm alone. That's, that's the and thing so of comedy. And so I yeah. am, uh, at some point I'm like, that just the other night, I was in a green room in Bergen in Norway. And oh. I was like, how is it that I'm alone here and all those people are, 200 people are out there with their friends? <laughs> no, I, so, I get it. so when people say to me, oh, it looks like so much fun, it's actually very lonely, you know? No, no you, and you, you hear that often with comics. Because you don't get to, you know... I think comedy is a funny thing. It, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to have friends at your job, but you do have colleagues. Mm. And then when you start comedy, it is such a social pursuit. You're, you're sort of in the trenches with each other. Yeah. Then if you get to a point where you are doing this the way you're supposed to do it, you do end up alone, yeah. you know, because you're doing shows alone. And then I just hope that like I can maybe squeeze this period of aloneness into a shorter time span so I can get to a point where I can now start bringing people with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. after a show, you want to you want to reminisce about the show. You want to yeah. chop it up with with your, you know, comedian colleagues. Yeah. You know. Do you remember the movie Into the Wild? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the, the big revelation of him no. out there? What was the big so revelation? The big revelation was him going that like happiness and life needs to be shared. Mm. When he was all alone in the wilderness like slowly dying. That's exactly. At the school him bus. and I are the same. <laughs> Um, Him and I are the same. I, I, super I did tramp, not eat any berries Alexander Supertramp, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you, are you watching anything? Are you consuming? I am. What are I you am. enjoying? And let me tell you something. Um, I realized that there's so many, so many things we don't consume here in South Africa because, you know, it doesn't get to us still. Yeah. You know, okay. like HBO, for example. Yeah, we get And it. Hulu and stuff like that. Some of get that to filters us. its way through Showmax. Correct. 
but, but very not, but not, not all of it. Yeah. And there's so much good stuff out there. And so when I was in LA, for example, I was there for two weeks at a friend's house, and I had mm. like a TV room to myself. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, like, I really didn't want to go out. Yeah. Because suddenly I was like, oh, I can like mainline this HBO right now. You yeah. Know? I had the same with Hulu when I was in New York. Yeah. And I was staying with buddies in their house, and there was one day I remember the, it was just so rainy. Like cold shit rain. Great. And I was an consuming. Excuse. I was consuming Community for the first time because oh, it had never wow. come to South Africa. And great. I was like, I, this show was made for me. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> and I was great, like, absolutely. I just just went across the street to get two pizza slices, and that, that was, was the it. extent of my day. Great. Otherwise, I was just watching Community. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, so, so what have you enjoyed? So I, um, I mean, when I when it was back then in like May, I watched the third season of Atlanta okay which I love I love that show I think the fourth season has just come out if I'm not mistaken and I now I can't get that (laughs) and um, is some Atlanta on Disney plus I think is it yeah I I don't know what I have a VPN and I've tried to but it doesn't work properly it like it's delays it's so irritating something that I was watching when I was in London is this this is the show that I've been watching okay Yeah, yeah it's called Yellowstone okay I think I've heard of that. Listen what is the? Listen to me. We've got something called the back of the box, which is okay. if you were to take it off the shelf, what yes. would it, how would you describe it? Okay. It's basically if Succession was set in Montana in America on a ranch. Okay. Okay. It's a show about a family, a, a, a guy who owns a ranch and will yeah. do everything in his power to hold on to the land and the ranch. Yeah. And he's got four children who are all wayward and okay. he can't really get them to succeed his role. Okay. One's too wild. One is too corporate. The other is too selfish. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like that, but it's not as sophisticated from a writing perspective as a show like succession. Okay. But so it's on the ver and it's almost on the verge of being a soap opera, except that the cast is so sensational Lovely. that you cannot stop watching the show. It's amazing when a show can, turn into soap opera and it can sometimes do it without even thinking yes it's on the brink all the time the yeah. show except that it's got these incredible actors yeah and kevin costner is the lead he's the guy who ah. owns a ranch right and he's like in his late 60s and let me tell you something i never thought kevin costner was hot until yeah. now you, that only hit you now only hit me now he because he is the hottest now that he has ever been and he's not hot for an old man he's hot yeah okay okay so there's, there's that element to it. But also, the show in America, I've started reading about the show, and it's considered like a red state show because it's a, actually essentially about this white, you know, land-owning ranch family who are like yeah. trying to hold on to land, literally. Okay, so um, it's got a bit of a Republican... It's got a Republican feel to spirit it. Spirit to it, yeah. Uh, however, they're constantly showing the battle between the Native Americans who live on the land mm. and who are also battling for their own right to exist in that space and to get their land back. And their um, guy who is like now, like their leader who's in a sort of government position. And so that the, all these factions are vying mm. for this land. Did you ever watch The Ranch on Netflix with no. Ashton Kutcher? No. Obviously more comedy, but it's, it's, a, it's also sort of set in the ranching world. And it was Ashton Kutcher apparently saying, like, I want to tell this story of this kind of American because they don't right. get too much. Right. Which is like you're out in the sticks. Yes. In that kind of Pacific. So this is all what it comes down to is like it's cowboys. Yeah. You know, it's cowboys and and it's very beautifully made. Yeah. And they somehow very deftly step over the politics. Well, ranch addresses it, it they as like, well. They like go through it and over it and around it and somehow That's manage important. to be a family that like, you know, somehow is not racist, you know, yeah. but also you really care about them but they're it's like they, they manage to do it very deftly but it is a it's a kind of one of those nothing, shows that's very consuming and nothing nothing in south africa has it you must look for it have you looked i i haven't looked okay I we'll see looked. where it is if it's, it, if on, it's anywhere on apple tv we'll i think it's so okay it, but it's very mesmerizing and it's beautiful because it's set in this like yeah probably you know, got like almost a bit of the mountains the tropes of a western which is, is like very, very landscape western. Very slow. It's very Western and there's mm. a lot of murder in it. That's what I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Yeah. Then I can see how it borderlines on soap. Mm-hmm. There was a, a show on Netflix called Manifest. Oh, no. Which was about this plane that oh, of disappeared. Course. Manifest, yes. And everyone on the plane, I forget what the flight number was, 
to them it was like a flash and they were and they landed but to everyone else they were gone for 20 years oh, like, right right and so it's, it's this lovely kind of premise and then it's quite a sort of serious drama and then by season two you're like this is a joke <laughs> it's such a soap it's and I was so like, hard turn to my partner and I'm like I'm out this is getting stupid <laughs> yeah you know what I, I really struggle with poorly written stuff and so this yeah. Yellowstone has just managed to keep me by a thread because every time every now and again I'm like I don't know if I can keep going but it's good it's really the okay. drama in it is so good and cool. the performers are so good but because I'm allergic I'm allergic to like cyclically written stuff where I can start seeing the machinery. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> sorry, and I and I'm like I just started watching Inside Job. Okay. With Stanley Tucci. Okay, I've seen it somewhere. An excellent yeah. actor. Yeah. But I'm now on episode two, and I was watching the second episode yesterday, and in the middle of it, I out loud by myself, I said, "This is a stupid show." <laughs> It's so funny when you when you say something out loud to yourself. Just it's to so yourself. rare. It happens um, like once a year and it happened yesterday. About two weeks ago, Short Straw was going to play um, this kind of Halloween-y show at Smoking Kills in Melville. Yes. And Great venue. Great venue. <laughs> I was all alone when I saw the lineup times and I saw that we were going to be on at half past 11. <laughs> and out loud to myself, I went, oh, no, man. <laughs> We are getting so old. Like we would have done that in our sleep, like ten, totally. You know, Great five time. years ago, we used to come off stage at one in the morning, yeah. like ears ringing. You only like settle at like three. Totally. We the top was eleven. I was like, oh no, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just going back to your career, yes, um, <laughs> it's always there. What what I did see in the music world was. They have to. You have to. It's a. It's a garden that you've got to water, and so you got to choose mm. the right territories. And so we made conscious decisions totally. to go. We're going to do Germany, Netherlands, and London, and mm. then the next year you do Germany, Netherlands, and London. Mm -hmm. You come back. Mm -hmm. You work with the same people. You grow a garden. You got to water it regularly. Like you can't overdo it. You can't underdo it. I like that. So, so yeah, I guess that's what you kind of. That's the plan, is that you would sort uh, you of know, hit back. Yes, you make I these contacts, you make these friends. Might absolutely. be lonely the first time, but then you keep coming back. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, there were places like I checked out just to check them out. I checked out LA. It, it was yeah, what desperate was it like? and challenging and, and I, I couldn't, you know, it, it was too big for me. Did you manage to go to, what's the big ones, comedy store? I did. I went to the comedy store almost every night, actually, because I went to, I was there at the Netflix comedy festival uh, at cool. the time. Did so you, I went to a lot of shows. Were you able to get on stage there? No, not, not on the festival. I did get on stage in LA a few times, but not in the festival. But at the comedy store? Not at the comedy store, no. Okay. no. Okay. Um, did you see anyone famous? I saw lots of famous people. You just step out of your house in that city yeah. and you'd stumble over a famous person. Yeah. The first night, I, every night at the comedy store, I saw somebody famous. The first night I saw... Um, that redhead comedian, Andrew Santino. Andrew you know, Santino? he's. Uh, I've heard the name. Okay. Is it Andrew Santino? I think that's his name. Yeah, he's a, he's he's in um the show Dave. Have you ever watched Dave? Oh no no no! I've Excellent heard show. It. You must watch that. Okay. Um, he's in Dave, and he's in that other. There's another show that's about a stand-up comedian in the seventies. Okay. I've forgotten what it's called now, but he's okay. in that. Um, anyway, I saw him the first night. Second night, saw. I had this face-to-face -face encounter with Chris Rock standing right in front of me <laughs> in the most bizarre set of circumstances Yeah, where I was... Were you just like, hi? You know what happened? It was so funny. I was waiting. I was waiting for... I, I, I had just come out of another room. Now, there's, there's, every night there's like big heavy hitters in these rooms, right? Yeah. So I was sitting in this big room. After the, after the festival, every night I would go past the comedy store on my way home yeah. because even at 11 or half past 11 or 12, you can go and catch some great comedy there. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to be in in that in comedy club environment. You know, it made yeah, me feel totally. like I was at home in some way, yeah. you know. And um, and once they know you're a comic, they're very easy about letting you in and they're very accommodating. Mm. They'll seat you somewhere. They, you can sit at the back with the comics and they don't, they don't you know, yeah. they don't bat an island. So um, I would go there every night almost. And uh, like the first night I was there, there was Jim Jeffries and... Um, the British guy with a suit who says who does all the dark shit. Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. The guy and that looks like a puppet. Yes. <laughs> it's because it's a weird laugh. Yes. Uh, in fact, it was Leslie Jones. Uh, it was oh a, a um, 
uh, uh, Jessica Michelle Park, Jessica Michelle Park, Jessica Michelle Singleton, who is um, uh, American comedian who I befriended. She came to South Africa for the JRCF Joburg International Comedy Festival, and then when I was in LA, she was very. She was just so lovely and friendly and lovely. invited me to come watch her at the comedy store and just made sure that I was like that they, yeah. that I could get in easily and you know she, yeah really cool and um so I watched her and then Leslie Jones came on after her and then Jim okay. Jeffries came on after her and then um uh what's his name so Chris Rock no the guy you uh, just said oh uh, Jimmy Carr Jimmy Carr so Jimmy Carr it was a terrible night by the way terrible night of comedy everybody did ba bad funny hey? bad night of comedy and one of the, even Jim Jeffries, who did pretty good, was still not Jim Jeffries' level of good. It was Funny midnight. Enough. The air was it, like gone out of the room. It, it, it's it's amazing how it can co combine. Um, yeah, compound. A, yes, it can yes, compound. absolutely. And the room was just dead. Out comes Jimmy Carr. Okay, mm. and this man just bombs, <laughs> bombs. Oh, and no. I tell you, I cannot tell you how glorious it is yeah. to see. A wildly successful comedian bomb. It gives you so much. <laughs> it gives you so gives you much. Hope. Not hope, but like it gives you. It just makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Because what happens is, I'll tell you this. You are only used to seeing these people succeed. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about watching live comedy. You see people fail, and then it makes you feel like, oh, I don't. I'm not failing because I'm bad at comedy. Like I don't bomb sometimes because I'm bad at comedy. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, no, so it, can just it makes happen. it feel really good. And then what happens is the guy who comes on after him, who's the headliner of the show, who I didn't know who he was, but he was obviously like, look, he must be a pretty great. What is that sound? There's a baby crying. Out. Inside my ears. <laughs> There's a baby in my ears. Yeah. Somewhere out there. So um, is it a ghost baby in this? <laughs> the cinema's haunted. <laughs> it's just very yeah she's obviously crying at a frequency that these mics can pick yes. up anyway so so there's a headliner of the show who comes out right and he bombs atrociously like bombs even worse than everybody else and you can tell he's a great comedian he's headlining the comedy store in the huge room yeah. you know so but he's bombing and I'll tell you this something I learned from that is people are always scared to follow like a legend comic who like absolutely destroys and does well yeah yeah there is only one thing worse than following a, a brilliant comic doing well, and that is following a legendary comic who bombs. Yeah. Because after a legendary comic bombs, the audience doesn't even believe in comedy anymore. Yeah. Like they yeah, don't they've think lost all faith. they don't think it works. <laughs> yeah. So you're screwed. Anyway, that was my my first night experience there. The next night, or two nights later, I go back. I watch a show in the in that same big room. Another famous act. I don't even remember who it was. Mm. I come, I walk out of that room, walk past the... And in those rooms, it's so annoying because you have to make the right call. If you go yeah. into one room, there might be a very big act in the other room. You yeah. never know where no, they're going to land, like right? It's like festival. Yeah. You're in Europe and you're like, do I go to this side of the field to watch this yeah. guy? Or? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I walk out of this, um, uh, what's known as the original room, mm. and I walk past... Uh, this other room, I keep forgetting the name of. Sure. It's the main room, sorry, the main room. I come out, walk past the original room. In the original room, which is a small, narrow little space, a tiny, mm. much smaller room, is Dave Chappelle on stage. Oh my right? God. Now, I want to get in, but there's a huge bouncer at the door. And this is the first time I've ever seen a bouncer at that door. And he's like, sorry, it's full. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. And I walk out. Now, I can see Chappelle through the sad little window, like outside by the bar area. And I'm so yeah. annoyed that I can't get inside. Anyway, walk back around. And then I see Jeff Ross, who was in South Africa a couple of years ago. He came to the box and like was... Oh, was he yes, here? Yes. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. He was here. He, was at, he performed at the box. Yeah. He sat with us. He like shared his pizza with us. He was very cool. Just one thing is that as the pandemic is further and further behind us in our review mirror... My hope is that a space like the Bioscope could once again hopefully have people, people like, like this. People like that, absolutely. When, when people are traveling, when festivals happen again, when people come out. Definitely. You know, we put up our hand to say we do a Sunday night comedy night. Hopefully absolutely. It, it just keeps growing and growing so that in the future there can be these Totally, moments. and there will be. There will yeah, be. Yeah, because you hear all those stories about like Chris Rock coming out at the Comedy Underground. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you see so, Jeff Ross. So I see Jeff Ross. I just decide to chat to him and yeah. chat to him uh, he, very recently Robbie Collins had opened for him um, as well a couple of a couple of weeks before that in New York cool and Robbie also said to me like go chat to him he's such a nice guy yeah so I go chat to him he remembers the box we have a nice little chat he asks me what I'm up to he's very friendly yeah 
I leave him alone. I go back into the room because I want to try to get back into the Chappelle room because I figure maybe somebody has left or something, right? I go stand there. And what happens is I'm standing directly in front of the entrance. It's a very narrow passage. Mm-hmm. I'm standing directly in front of the entrance and I'm about to ask the guy if I can get in, but he's busy letting people out. And while I'm standing there with my back to the wall, on my right is Leslie Jones, who was performing two nights prior, right? So I just, she's standing by herself. I just say, hey, you know, I saw you the other night. You were great. Well done. And she starts to talk to me a lot. Like she's <laughs> talking to me about her drink and talk to me about stand up. And yeah. she just, I'm just standing there, like literally was not even trying to be in her space. I was, you know, yeah. being respectful. Like yeah, I just yeah. said, well done. And I turned my head. And then she was talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And so I just stood there. And then Jeff Ross comes in from the other side yeah. because he was trying to get in the room. He was going on, on next. I didn't know this, right? Yeah. But now what's happened is just by mistake, I am sandwiched between Leslie Jones and Jeff Ross. Yeah. And Leslie Jones is talking to me. So you can just... But Jeff Ross is smiling at me because he now knows my face, yeah, right? Yeah. But, you know, and I'm just standing there. And at this exact mo- moment, Chris Rock walks out of the room <laughs> that Chappelle is performing. <laughs> and if I tell you the passages, it's as close as you and I are sitting next to each other, yeah, like, like yeah. a meter, right? Yeah. So he greets his friends, Jeff Ross and Leslie Jones. Yeah. And I'm just standing in the middle of them. So he's looking at me like, he, and he's like smiling at me, yeah. like nodding like, I should, like, I should I should know this person too, yeah. because, because I'm like accidentally part of the friend group now. Yeah. You know? Man, and I don't, I don't make a move. I just smile. You know, I'm like, yeah. hey. <laughs> just like I just pretend I'm like one of the gang. That's lovely. And then like moments later, Leslie Jones turns to him and it's like, oh, what did you think of that gag? Did you watch it? He's like, yes. I think what you should do is, and he goes into this yeah. conversation with her about what she should do with the joke and they start drifting off. Yeah. And then... Moments later, Chappelle comes out with his whole entourage and they all walk off and get like swept away into some back room, you know, yeah. the VIP room upstairs or whatever. But it was just like this moment of yeah. total madness. And two nights later, I was back at the Comedy Store. Chris Rock was walking through there again, like a, you know, like, yeah. it's there. Like, it's their gym. It's, it's literally yeah. how and a bodybuilder goes to someplace every day. And it was just chilled, you know. That same night, two nights later, um, I watched Chappelle in what's known as the belly room, which is yes, upstairs I've at the comedy store. Room, yeah. It's tiny. It's maybe like 80 people. And that night he had, was the night just after he had been attacked on stage at the festival. Okay. So he had been, he did this huge show at the Hollywood Bowl. He got attacked. Like somebody jumped on stage and like attacked him with this like makeshift gun slash knife thing. Oh, jeez. I yeah. missed that. And oh yeah, it was a big, big story. And then the next night he came and did a show at the in the belly room and spoke about it on stage. Wild. And like, you know, got to watch him for like 45 minutes, just, you know, talk all the talk. Lovely. And then months later, watched him and Chris Rock in at the O2 in London. Yeah. And it's like, you get to see these people. This is the other thing about when you travel and you're in the world, you get to see these people um, more than once. Yeah. You know, in different environments. You get to see them in an 80-seater. You get to see them in front of 10,000 people. You get to see them in, um, you know, walking past you in a passage or yeah. or at Backyard Comedy Club in London. Like, you get to see them in all these different environments and you get exposed to comedy in a, on a different level. But you also know? there's a humility to it as well where, where quite quickly those people become just regular. Not regular, mm. but they become, you, you see the, you know, like, you just... You, I don't know. I, I, I have that kind of relationship with Dave Grohl where as I've done some tiny smidge of what he's done just by producing yes. albums, traveling the world, you, you're like, okay, you get it. You get the hustle. You see yes. what it is. Yes. He's just done it for 20, 30 years longer and on a much huger scale. But yes. you, you see the dude. No, you, you get to you see, see the, the journey. The and humanity. The, and you see yes. the, Absolutely. the person. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's like I've now being in London, I get to go to shows, you know what I mean? I get to go to shows by people that I've been like following my whole life, whether it's um, somebody like Chappelle or whether it's somebody that I've been following for the last few years, like Michelle Wolf. I've now seen Michelle Wolf in an ATC show and then seen her at Leicester Square Theatre in London and then seen her on a big stage, at, you know, like, or, you know, you, I, I, I was in LA, I got to see, I saw a guy um, named Matteo Lane, very, okay. very funny New York comic, performing on this massive stage at this um, show called Stand Out. It's on Netflix. It's a huge pride-themed, like LGBTQ-themed show um, at the Greek Theater in LA. Huge. Thousands of people. And then get to see him again at the Comedy Cellar in front of like 
you yeah. know, 80 people. And everything changed. Yeah. And so you get to see, you know, everybody working their different muscles and and how they develop and how they develop material. And you get to see, oh, I saw the Chappelle joke about the guy who attacked him the night after he got attacked. And then I got to see what it looked like a few months later in mm. front of 10,000 people. More refined, more fixed. Yeah, more... you just get to see creative. That's you just lovely. get to see creative work, yeah. you know, alive. No, one of the nicest stories I heard was the late Taylor Hawkins, the drummer from Foo oh, Fighters. I, I watched that concert. Ugh. You what? You I went to I didn't go. No, oh. I was in London at the time. I didn't know it was oh. happening. I sat down. I thought, what's this? And I thought, I'm going to watch five minutes of this. Then I realized what it was. And I mm. watched that thing, I'm, I'm telling you, on a couch for six mm. hours. I watched the whole show. Lovely. It was the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. He, they toured with Radiohead. Well, they did something with Radiohead at one point. It was either through Foo Fighters or when he was with the Lance Morissette. But I think it was Foo Fighters. But Radiohead were... Uh, needing to carve out time in their tour to craft an album. Right. So they used their time, their sound check time. They asked for an extended period when they were on the road to to use that sound checking time as a chance for them as a band to actually work on this That's album. That's amazing. Do you know what album it was out of interest? It was OK Computer. Oh, wow. And knowing what they were doing, Taylor Hawkins said he would just sit at some point in the some place in the arena, right. and he was like, "I watched them make that album." Oh, I got goosebumps. That's incredible. That <laughs> hey, is incredible. It's lovely when you can see that, and also like we also look at early recordings, and you can see the you can see the song. It's in there, in amongst all the shit chaos of us playing our music terribly. But when you look back on it now, you're like, "I can see it. I can see the That's so amazing. the song in there." It's amazing totally. how it gets crafted and and refined and polished. Totally. So we have such similar worlds. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's exciting. Yeah. What is on the cards for you? What is your December and you're uh, sticking around here well, for a bit? Yeah, I'm sticking around here for two months. I am going to be in De- in Cape Town in December and January, and. Um, you know, I made this very possibly poor decision, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm still trying to figure out why I made this decision. Is it too late to... It's too late to back out. To back out. Dude, okay. it's what's too late. The, what's the decision? I made a decision months ago that I was going to do a show every Sunday night in uh, Cape Town yeah, for, we, for December and January. Yeah, we, we, we often talk about this. Short Straw decided to release an album where we were going to do one song every month for, for a year. <laughs> oh, shit. And we're like, this is awesome. And six months in, we're like, what the fuck have we done? What have we done? I often throw myself into these things. Like in 2021, when I decided to do a video every single day. Yes. On my Instagram. Yeah, we've every spoken single about this. day. And I still don't know why I did that. And I can tell you it was and not it's worth very the hard. results. It's very hard sort of two thirds of the way through to be like, you know what? No. I'm, I'm out. No, it's hard. You gotta to stick to it. Okay, so you're so gonna anyway, do every Sunday. Because I I wanted to be on stage and have my own space to do that. I didn't want to have to find it somewhere else. I wanted to have my own space in a similar way to how I have it on Story Party. Yeah. Except um also have a space to, you know, work on South African material and and you know, just talk some South African shit, you know, because I don't get to do that good, yeah. when I'm touring. And uh and I have to say, as a side note, the reason I actually don't usually, it's taken me a long time to talk about why, that, that just even mention that touring is hard yeah. because I have felt like I've been so lucky to have these opportunities. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it, yeah. I've had to wrestle with the fact that, like, yes, I'm very fortunate and it's also very hard, you know? Yeah. No, no. I think that there's something fine with that. I, I, also, it, it, I also sounded very <clears throat> you know, privileged and entitled where yes. during the pandemic I said to people like, if the whole world crumbles and we and we we can actually never leave our country uh i'm lucky i got to see the world i don't need to travel right, again right. obviously it would be right. cool to travel <laughs> again but uh, it's it's mission and it's hard it's and it's hard. expensive yes. and it fucking hurts your back and yes, like yes, it's very yes. unglamorous and i have a bad back <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so and so if i'm stuck then i uh, i did it and i'm good. grateful and yeah, you know, yeah, it's good. I love New York as well. It just I wanted to chat to you. Yes, you you said you spent a month there. I also spent a month in New York alone, just not ever leaving. It's amazing, huh? It's just one of those magical cities that you can just. I feel like I just can step into. Yes, and I every found time it, I go, I'm like, I get this pace. I get it how feels this works. Good to you. Yeah. It feels good. It feels easy. Yes. It feels like a lane I can just slide, slide into, into yeah. and. It, and 
and go. I, I did not have that experience uh. this time around. I have been there before, but this was the first time I was there working and I found it exceptionally hard. Okay. I, no, I think know, it can be great, brutal. So great in so many ways. Incredible, like connecting with people. People are much more open than they are in London. They're all inviting. Come to my show. Come do this. Come do that. Mm. You know, I, could, I, I, I sort of, I had to also learn the comedy scene there because it's quite different. It's got okay. its own rules and it's got a lot of layers. Okay. Um, but I found it hard going, like just trying to survive in that city for three weeks. I found yeah. hard no, going. People, people, do, people do talk about that. I don't, you know, and it's obviously like um, a lot of it is money related. Like yeah. just, just to survive a day there is so expensive yeah. and, and more expensive than London, you know, more, and, more, and more expensive than a lot of places in the world at the moment. So um, that was a massive struggle, just like trying to figure out what my next move was every single day and it felt relentless. It just felt okay. relentless, like there was okay. no rest, you know? And and New York is a place where like, if you're not gutting it and you're not in your zone and you, you know, it will it will kick you aside so quickly and it is yeah, brutal. Even just more physically. So than, more so than LA. Well, LA is it's just different. so, so much is concentrated. You can step out of the noise in LA. Yeah. And you can just check out in LA, yeah. you know? In, in New York, you can't check out. It's all around you all the time, yeah. even physically, you know, it's, it's, it's loud, it's noisy, it's a yeah, loud yeah. city, like you it's can't, amazing, yeah. you can't get away from loud sounds. And there's a siren, you know? there's a siren, like it's... Sirens and trucks and trash everywhere on the street, the city is filthy, you know, and like, like people trying to attack you constantly, like honestly, like just people coming up to you in the streets trying to talk yeah. to you or piss on you or do some yeah. crazy shit. Like a rat running past you, like knocking into your foot. Like it's so aggressive. <laughs> it's like, did you not just uh, go in like some time machine to New York, to New York in the 70s? No, this is what it's like right now. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, that I, is what New York is like right now. It's yeah, wild. And listen, it, it's unbeatable from a vibe perspective. Like yeah. people, uh, one thing I, re I realized, like, uh, you know, I, I often have my headphones in walking around the city. And um, in New York, I remember I, I leave, the, leave the place in the morning, put my headphones in, but then I catch the catch a conversation like walking past me and I put the headphones out mm. and like listen to the conversation for as long as I could. Mm. And then about to be putting my headphones back in and hear another conversation. Yeah. And I eventually literally took them around my, from around my neck and put them in my bag. And I was like, if, you listen, are, yeah. if you're walking through New York City and you are not listening to all of the shit that people are saying, you are missing Mm. And it's not, I promise you it's not the same in other cities. It is not the same in London. Sure. You hear stuff on the streets of New York that yeah. you do not hear anywhere else and is the most wildly entertaining shit you have ever your, yeah. that have ever gone into your has yeah. ever gone into your ears. And yeah. so I would just like walk around the city and listen to shit. Mm. And like, you know, on my days where I had like great days like going into the park or like going around a museum or having a great night at comedy, fun, you know, and exciting. Mm. Yeah. Um but rough. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember like a New York homeless woman calling me handsome she's like hey handsome and i was like i like that <laughs> great I, like that. I was walking by day that's beautiful it's it like you know me. in south africa you can be like a bozo or a chief and that also kind of maybe gives you some props but i, I was like I, I, i'm i'm thank you thank you for thinking i'm handsome <laughs> uh, i was it's great compliment nice to get a compliment lovely i no, was walking down the street one day and a guy walks past me and he, he's like like bounding up to me and I'm scared. I'm like trying oh, to figure fun. out like I have to, how wide is this pavement? You know, like yeah. getting, ready, getting ready to make a move. And he and he, he stops and he goes, you were killing in the courtroom. And he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh. I was like, I am a killer in the courtroom. <laughs> don't, don't spend a lot of time there, but yes. if I, you know if I were to, yeah. I would imagine and, and, I would put kill. put a little pep in my step after that. You know what I mean? Give Lovely. me a little bit of confidence. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, next, what I decided is I wanted to, I needed to come home. I've, I'm going to start, go back to London in February, beginning of February to cool. do these shows in, in London and to use those shows as like a base for myself so that I can also just carry on gigging, yeah. you know, getting into more clubs. London has got an endless comedy scene and it's so good. Yeah. It's, it's so far for me the best place in the world to perform. Um, the audiences are incredible. The shows mm. are well attended and well run. Lovely. It's so slick, and it's and the quality of the comedy is so high. Yeah, exceptionally high. But there are high. those cities where, 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 yeah, you can base yourself. Like I'll never forget friends of mine in a band in New York were like, for the first year, we don't need to leave New York. Wild. Just to figure ourselves, establish, build a name, build a reputation. Yeah. In their opinion, they were like, we do not need to leave this city. It makes it's like that in New York. The problem with New York is 
people come to New York and then don't leave and don't develop. But if you are an outsider and you come to New York, even as a comedian, you're right. You can go to New York for a year and work and work and work and progress. Like Robbie has done that really well right now. He keeps tapping back in and Mm. progressing every time he does. And and if you're good, you will you will succeed. And Mm. because you have that outsider perspective, you don't get stuck. You know, Um, how's your South Africanness in your material? Is that like? Do you lean on that? You know what? I had a huge breakthrough actually when I was in New York. It's one of the things I'm very grateful for for when I was there. I um, I was really struggling. I had like a brand new identity crisis in New York. Yeah. Um, I was struggling with how I was being perceived because I couldn't tell how I was being perceived. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell if people th- what people thought I was because what was happening to me is, you know, in South Africa, we get trapped in – South Africa traps you in an identity. Sure. Okay, whether you are, it may, maybe it's easy for you to be in an identity. You know, maybe yeah. you are, um, you come from a very definitive South African identity, yeah. right? Maybe you are Zulu or yeah. you are Afrikaans or you whatever it is. And in South Africa, we all understand what those things are. Yeah. But I come from a background that is hard for a South African to grapple with. That's only what I discovered from doing shows and from doing comedy for so many years is the average South African does not know, you know, it's black, white, colored, Indian, Asian. Yeah. Once you start vary the variations, people don't know what you are. Sure. People for a large part, in fact, don't know what Jewish is. That was my big discovery in my, in my like first few years of performing. Okay. They don't actually know what being Jewish is or what it means. Um, Perhaps more so in New York? Well, I'm talking about South Africa, purely. Oh, sorry, South Africa. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So South Africans are very definitive. You have to fit into a box and until... We know what box you're in. We don't know how to relate to you. Okay. And it's very important that we know how to relate to you. Okay. So I had to learn in South Africa on stage that I'm seen as a white woman. Okay. I didn't see myself as a white woman. Okay. In my head, I'm Jewish. Like that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. In, in addition to that, I'm a first generation South African. So I don't even have South African family. Right. Yeah. My parents are Israeli. Yeah. And they're immigrants. Yeah. So even my older brother wasn't even born here. I'm the first person in my family born in this country. Okay. So um, it was very hard for me to understand that like, oh, when I get on stage, they don't know what Jewish is. Okay. You're a white woman. Cool. Fine. Ho- ho- and I go like, okay, cool. You know, I, I, I had to learn how to be like, you know, for f- you don't have a lot of time on stage to start explaining who you are every single time. You just have to know how the audience perceives you, get mm. the closest to that thing. And then run with it, you yeah. know. Um, but also, to, yeah. What my question was is, is, is how much you're willing to sort of lean into those things. So, so that's the thing, right? I, it's very hard for me to lean into something that I'm not. But to be fair, it's not like I'm totally not a white woman, right? Yeah. I've grown up with all the privileges of a white person. Sure. So, um, and and effectively, as have grown up as a white South African. Sure. In this country, right? Now, here's what happens. I sort of resolve that on stage in South Africa. I play myself as white woman sometimes you know and i would go a lot into being talking about being jewish it's just like yeah it's sort of stuff you do in the beginning of comedy you you talk about identity a lot yeah and we kind of get that and we know what it means well my my talk about being jewish i had to talk about it not take it for granted that people know what it was i had to explain it in all my jokes right okay so then i go to new york and um people are not perceiving me as a white person Okay. Okay. They are like, <laughs> my friends, like, like black people, people of color are saying to me like, oh, you know, you should do this show. It's for like, um, uh, they, they, you know, they, they promote people of color and like, you know, you can do those shows and like so, a brown show and a black show. And I was like, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm a white person. And now I, now in, I'm in New York sounding like I'm trying to be a white person and I'm not. And it was so confusing for me. Because your skin is Because I'm s- dark-skinned and I'm, and I'm, I'm you know. And, and here's you the, no longer qualify as white I, I don't in New know, York. I don't qualify as white in New York. And, but the thing about New York specifically is that, in fact, New Yorkers have got such a range of diversity in their culture that they understand nuance. Yes. So nobody thought I was a black person. Yeah. But certainly knew that I was a Middle Eastern person. Right. Okay. In New York, people understand what a Middle Eastern person is. Mm. They know what that is. Yeah. In South Africa, nobody knows what a Middle Eastern person is. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Which is exactly what I am. Right. Yeah. So. So suddenly I was being understood 
in a way that I would have loved to have been understood the whole time, okay. except that now it's very hard for me to address. And I got into a lot of like stuff. I got into my head about it a lot, you know. Yeah. And at some point I was having a conversation with um, uh, a great comic named Will Sylvins. Will Sylvins is um, just a legendary comic. Came to South Africa with Trevor many years ago. Um, he has his own show at the Comedy Cellar every Wednesday night. Okay, um, really. okay. Yeah, great comedian. And Will had me on his show at the Cellar the one night, and uh, we spoke about we spoke about it after the show. And he called me. We had this nice chat, and he said this thing to me about how like he said this thing to me about identity and about like me talking about who I am. And he said to me, you know, Gilly, like you know, as comedians, we come out, we especially in the beginning, and we want to create context and make sure that we're understood, mm. you know? So we feel like it's very important that we address what people are seeing about us. Yeah. But you very rarely see that later in a com comedian's career. It's usually sure. in the beginning of a comedian's they're career. Crafting. And yeah, he, they're crafting. And, and it seems like, oh, I'm a tall person, I must address that I'm tall. Or mm. I'm a this person, I must address that I'm this. Yeah. And he said to me, Gilly, you know, um, the audience, I said to him, it's very hard for me to know what the audience is thinking or that they're thinking this thing or that thing. And he said to me, Gilly, you know, you don't have to, the audience will think things and you, you know that you don't have to care <laughs> what sure. they think. Yeah. And he didn't mean it as a bad thing. Yeah. He didn't mean they think negative thoughts and I mustn't care what they think. He meant it like you can choose how much to address. You know, mm. you don't have to address any of it if you don't want. Mm. And when he said that thing to me, and I realized that I was holding well. on to, to it so tightly, this idea of like having to address my identity. Mm. And the second he said it, the day he told me that, was a massive breakthrough. The next day, and this is a long story to get back to your question of sure, South Africanness. Sure, no, 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 but it's the answer, yeah. But I get on stage now, and I don't even mention who I am or where I'm from. Yeah. I don't even mention it. Yeah. Sometimes in London, I would come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm from South Africa, um, just because otherwise people are, are preoccupied with trying to figure out what my accent is, you yeah. know? Yeah, I'll make this easy for you. So I just say I'm from South Africa, and I'm here on a holiday from crime. <laughs> and uh, and then I, it allows me to get into some jokes about like London crime and whatever. But yeah. typically now I get on stage and I don't address it, any of that shit. I don't, I just, if they're going to think, they're going to think. But then I get straight into the jokes. I get straight into whatever I want to talk about. But a about. lot of the jokes are, are quite global or do yeah. you keep coming back to South Africa? No, not at all. And yeah. in fact, for years, because I knew that I wanted to travel and get out and perform in places like New York and London and um, internationally, you want the I developed... Almost, I developed a lot of internationally relevant material, and that's great because then that's yeah, then that means that everyone can get it yeah. and understand. So now when I'm here, what I love to do is actually just talk about South African and stuff. lean in. Yes, yeah. And, was, uh, yeah. There was this amazing moment we did this. We did a, a bunch of shows in Australia, who are obviously like very similar to us, you know, right. in, in yeah. spirit, but yeah. of, but of course gone down different roads. Yes, but same same neck of the woods. And um, we've got one or two songs that have like a slightly more distinctly African vibe to them that perhaps yeah. an Australian band wouldn't make. And of course, here we are as the band from South Africa, five white guys, <laughs> <laughs> but playing to this lovely audience in Sydney. And I remember dancing in a particular way, like as, as a bassist, I've, I'm obviously slightly more in the rhythm section of the right. music, but naturally this is just me, I'm dancing along and then there was also like also this moment where i'm like i'm an african oh uh, yeah you like, felt distinct from like i'm them. an african kid yeah. like i am different to everyone else in this yes, room yes. because well maybe there's lots of south africans in that room yes. but you know I, I i remember leaning in like kind of almost literally and figuratively like yes. leaning into this going this is what makes me different right. this is what makes this band different this is what makes this song special and there was something delightful about that well that's great because you don't you didn't have to Explain. Explain it also, also, but also to yourself. Yeah. Music just, yeah. it, it, it comes out of you and you almost, it's like a thing that you catch, you know? Yeah. And then you lean into, like you say, and you develop. But, but, yeah. but you don't have to go and think about your identity in that thing. It's just beautiful that it comes out like that. Yeah, and that's nice the expression, that you know? It's nice that you've clearly evolved so that you, yeah, you don't have to give that context anymore. That's exciting. It's, that it was very freeing. Another it was very freeing. To yeah. not have to, to not feel like I don't have to explain myself, no, which was, yeah. I, I know I, I never had to do that actually. It was just me. It's something you think you have to do, but you actually don't, yeah. is what I discovered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Lovely. yeah. So okay. now I'm two months in Cape Town, December, January, gonna have a show every single Sunday night in Seapoint. Lovely. At a place called Bokeh, a 50 seater 
which, you know, I don't know why, like I said, I don't know why I did this to myself. Now I wanted to be on holiday for two months. I think I wanted to justify myself being in Cape Town for two months. Yeah. You know, I just, like after a very, very hard year, I just wanted to be in a place that's like fairly yeah. slow moving. Yeah. Have an ocean. Yeah. Just go for a walk come home and then I thought it would be nice to have my own show once a week where I could go no, listen, and talk I think and develop cool. material. You've, and, got, yeah. you've got six other days in the week. Yeah, No, it's not that that I'm worried about. Now I'm worried about selling tickets. Uh, oh, no, but listen, coming from someone who has recently spent more time in Cape Town in December than yes. I ever did in my whole life, oh, yeah. my girlfriend's got a house with her family. Nice. Place is jam-packed. You are going to be uh, just I hope fun. I can get them in there. No, you'll be fine. Oh, it's God. It's... <laughs> there was a point where I was like, I, I just got out the Uber and was like, I could walk. Like, this will be easier. Oh, yes. <laughs> this will be yes, easier if I just yes. walked. No, listen, it's packed, but do they want to come show, to shows? No, yeah. South Africans do not want to come to shows. Not if it's point. during the day, because then they want to be on the beach. <laughs> it's not during the day. Okay. It's going to be magic. Listen, I'm going to let you uh, get on with your life. Thank you very much. For this. <laughs> this has been fun. You've it's helped me like lovely. summarize my experience yeah. sometimes it is nice to just uh, talk it through yeah um okay and is there anything i i didn't give you anything that you could watch i know that's not always the that point would be great because i would really i really like stuff that i could watch especially if i can watch it here do you want um lighter no i easy? hate anything light i like drama i like everything severe heavy yes severance i watched it so cool. good okay now i'm on the spot for heavy stuff I think, um, well, what's interesting mm -hmm. to watch on Netflix is a show called Pepsi, Where's My Jet? Oh, I've seen that, but I haven't watched it. I've seen okay. it on the thing. Just finished Good. it. Uh, very interesting. Okay. Just more a case of um, uh, law. Um, Sounds uh, fun. Marketing. <laughs> no, I'm explaining it wrong, but just sort of like how people get represented. Um it's a lovely story. About it's a documentary. It's a docu-series, yeah. It's oh, only okay. four episodes, and it's about this famous competition that Pepsi ran where you could get Pepsi points. Okay. And, and as a joke, they made this advert where it was like, you can get a jacket. It'll be this much Pepsi points. You can get a sunglasses. It'll be this much. If you drink right. Pepsi, you can get these rewards. And as a joke... They said at the end, seven million points and you can get a Harrier jet, which is this like military grade plane that's worth <laughs> that's like thirty, thirty-two million dollars. And this one kid was like, I want this jet. And so he figures out how he can get these points and then goes, I've got the points. Give me the jet. And they're like, but it's a joke. And he's like, but there was nothing. There was uh, no disclaimer. Crazy. There was nothing. So it becomes this. Okay. And, 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 I'm going to watch that. And how he gets represented, because people would be so quick to say he's opportunistic. He's, mm. But it, that wasn't the point. It, 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 it's very interesting. Great. There's a lot more to it. I'm going to watch it. It's lovely. Okay. So I've given you something. I should also give you a comedy recommendation. Oh, Neil Brennan's new one? Neil Brennan. That's okay. what I was going to say. Okay. It's a good one. The it's one with the elements behind yeah. him. Yeah. It's lovely. Hey? Yeah. It's good. Good comedy. I really was, I really loved that. Yeah. Okay. And Russell Howard? Have you I ever, haven't watched Russell Howard. Do you know him? No. The blonde dude? He, um, he's got a, he's British. He's yeah. got a, something called the Russell Howard Hour. He's got a show. He's got a special as well. Interesting. I, I have to tell you, I find most specials incredibly boring. Okay. In fact, all com I've started to hate all comedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You need a break. You need to swim in the ocean. Yes. I need you a need break. to chill out. I need a goddamn break. And then you're going to find your love again. Okay. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What a lovely chat. As you can see, we, we went on a little bit. I always wanted uh, these podcast episodes to be rather tight. But every now and again, when we've <clears throat> got someone interesting... It's important that we uh, just keep the chat going. So uh, an important um, part of the show now is what we call the cash up, where we will balance the till and make sure everything balances and is, is worked out before we turn off the lights and, and go home here at the video store. Uh, two points to mention. The one is Atlanta is available on Disney+, Plus, but only the first three seasons. I don't know when the fourth will arrive, but you've just got the three seasons of Atlanta on Disney+. Plus. 
And then sadly, Yellowstone, which she enjoyed when she was traveling, is yet to be available anywhere on any of our platforms. But we've never been one to condone certain practices. But if you really want to see that foxy Kevin Cosner, there are ways and means out there to, to get your hands on Yellowstone. But I'm sure it will be coming to South African streaming platforms soon. All right. We will see you next week. If you want to share the love, please rate and review. It's been great to start reading some of the, the comments on, on those podcast platforms of, of people's reviews. They mean a lot. So if you, if you do feel the willingness to write something, we'd lovely, we'd really uh, appreciate it. And um, yeah, share the love. It's the videostore.co.za and you can see the links to uh, major platforms as well as our social media. And we'd love you to be a part of it. Let us know what we should be talking about and what you're enjoying. And uh, let's have a fat chat there. All right. We'll see you next week. Cheers.